0: So, y'all, I have a funny text exchange to share with you with my friend okay. that we had. Sounds and we personal. were switching kids. You know, like she was taking the girls at her house. I was taking the boys at my house kind of thing. Um, and so she was letting me know that her youngest just realized Ruby was coming over. And so she turns to her sister and says, yay, we can play orphanage tomorrow with Ruby. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <goodness>. <laughs> orphanage. <laughs> And what my a... friend says, LOL, they've been listening to a lot of books about kids in tough places. <laughs> what What the dickens? <laughs> what the dickens? And then I told Ruby what her little friend said and that they've been reading books with orphans and that kind of thing. And she said, every book is better with orphans.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> that, that's hey, truly amazing. <laughs>
2: so I didn't know that other children play this game too. Because my oh, daughter, my yes, only they call it orphans. But she goes over to play what? with her friends. Yes, yes. Sometimes they play at church, no, like after church. pet store, That's our go-to's. Family pet store. I've never heard. I didn't realize this was a thing. So even two hours north of you, they're 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 okay. they're playing Orphans. We could do an episode about well. that.
1: <laughs> games
2: well-read children play. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to Book Fair. We help thoughtful
3: women find wholesome, life-affirming books for themselves and their families.
0: Are you tired of picking up the latest new release and finding it full of junk you don't want in your life? You are in the right place.
1: This show shares curated content and we do it together within a fun, book-loving community. So pull up a chair at the table and join the feast.
0: Well, welcome, everybody. We are so excited about this episode. We have an interview with a dear friend of ours, an in real life friend, Angela Reed from Tallahassee. Welcome. We're so glad you're here.
2: I'm from the other, the other university town, Gainesville. (laughs) Gators, not
0: Seminoles. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, Angela, Angela and I go back to college mm-hmm. and then back again in life in our In Real Life book club that Trisha runs locally. And Angela drives down when she can to join us. So it's always wonderful when you can do that.
2: Oh, thank you. It's been, um, how's, how long has it been, Trisha? Like 10 years that this book club, 12 years? I think you all have been going longer. Um, uh we started in 2009 so we are 14
3: years good. in January
2: well I think I was consistent maybe a good nine or ten of those years you were
3: and I always yeah. considered <laughs> you to be a superstar member since you drove down <laughs> almost two hours to come to book club with a baby the
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes
2: <laughs> I didn't always
1: I mean at the beginning I didn't know you very well but I was like well is that the same baby or a di- it's a different baby? Okay, because
2: I feel like you were in
1: your having babies years and like, oh, it's a different baby.
2: <laughs> Those Which years made they, you really
1: a superhero,
2: right? Well, they make you very desperate for adult interaction and conversation. True. So, book club was very much a like a. It was like a a rock for me of um, of mature conversation and just connection. And so I was willing to make that drive, even with a baby in tow, even got my husband to to come along, too. And he'd he'd take the rest of the kids and they'd go hang out with somebody's husband and uh, go to the park. And then they'd come and pick me up and we'd all head back together. So good times.
0: I'm glad for those memories. So cool. I actually have a bio uh, for Angela that I want to read because this is not her first rodeo on podcasts. So she's Angela Reed is a homeschooling mother to five living in the sunny state of Florida, a former classroom teacher degree in classics and Latin and persuaded by Charlotte Mason's educational philosophy. She channels her enthusiasms into living Latin lessons. Live Latin classes designed for Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. You can find out more about that at, can, can you it's tell a me mouthful. your website? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Probably you can put Thank it in you. your show notes.
0: Guys, I, I asked her before we started how to say it and I already forgot. So there we go. <laughs> um, she has a great Instagram too, at Athena underscore reeds. And also a second one at the CM Latin Project, and that's where she talks about Latin's place in a Charlotte Mason education. So we are so excited, and um, I know people that have taken, uh, that their children have taken your Latin classes online. I've heard them talk about it, like Brandy Vincel on her podcast, and, and they just love it, and I'm not surprised. Aww. So that's awesome, and congratulations on that!
2: Thank you, thank you. It's a, it's, it, it's my, my little nerdy passion, I guess. I've always enjoyed this since high school uh, when I first started taking Latin myself and joined the Latin club, and uh, and never really thought way back then that I would end up as a Latin teacher myself, but, um, but. But it really is something that I I just enjoy that time period so much, enjoy the language so much. And I love working with students, particularly the middle and high school students, because they're all just so they're just they're so much fun. (laughs) Their brains are are beginning to really think analytically and they're very silly and um, they're not afraid to 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 have fun in class. So so that's my that's my sweet spot for for what I do. So if you loved it in high school, I'm hearing
1: somebody did a good job of explaining why it was important and why it was mm-hmm. going to be useful or it was just fun. What was what was the reason there? What made you love it as a high schooler? Cuz
2: I don't think I would have loved Latin as a high schooler. Oh I'm interested. Wow. Well, I think it was joining the Latin club. Um I mean the class itself was interesting and it was very analytical and you're, you know, like um you're, you're thinking through the logic and you get to see all these connections with the words, which I just, I'm a very literary person, always attracted to language things. And, um, but my Latin teacher was very enthusiastic and she, um, sponsored a Latin club and, um, encouraged everybody. In fact, she she made it very difficult for us not to join because you got all this extra credit if you joined and it helped your grade in the class. So we all just joined and it was a whole world unto itself. I had no idea that, that the Latin club would be a thing, but, we would go to competitions. There were Olympic competitions. There were artistic competitions. There was dramatic recitation, costumes. Uh, There were toga parties. (laughs) There there were exams. (laughs) We would take exams and and kind of specialize in, in areas of our own interest. Um, But we'd, um, but we'd participate in all of th- these other fun things and we'd dress up and we'd, we'd kind of celebrate the, the, the culture of the ancients and, and participate in a lot of these, these rituals together. And, um, and it was, it really promoted a, a, a camaraderie and a connection to the past. And, and I just, I just loved it. And, and when I went to my first competition, I remember the realization that, um, wow, wow, there are lots of people that are not just entirely nerds. I thought it would just be this just big nerdy convention and it's not it was just normal people <laughs> nerdy people are normal people too I say that yes. you know as, you know someone <laughs> reflecting on my high school brain you know like very concerned about like what kind of person am I? am I right. a preppy am I a nerdy you know like um, but it was it was so much fun and there were students from all all over the state of Florida that would come to the the state convention And, um, and it was just three days in a hotel, going to events with your friends, man in your booth, you know, selling your Latin t-shirts or your buttons and, you know, competing (laughs) in your various things. So it was these, that was like some, some good stuff from high school. I was, it was just, it was living education. That was like, I think one of the major living, living pieces of my education, um, in, in what, um. Sometimes felt like just running through a system and just like, you know, checking this off and doing this and completing the requirements. But this was a living, living piece of, of, of my education. And so it, it impacted me so strongly that I, I, um, you know, I decided to pursue it um, and give that gift to other students. That's awesome. awesome. I mean, I just hear so much
1: there that I want to think about how to replicate as my kids get a little older. Well, one is older, but one is younger. So what I'm still Mm -hmm. doing with my younger, because I just hear so much. You had a great teacher that opened it up for you.
2: Yeah. Um and, and I'm still in touch with her. She um she came to Aww. my wedding and um Aww. I still connect with her through Facebook and um and send her Christmas cards when when I get around to doing Christmas cards. Which they will go out this year. It's been a few years. But, <laughs> <I've got some. laughs> but yeah, shout well, out to Mrs. Linda Rennick from Ocala, Florida.
0: That is so cool. I love that you're still in touch too. That's really special. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear about what you're reading now or just something you've read lately that you found interesting or, or maybe uninteresting. You didn't like all right. it. Well, it's all
2: in Latin all the time, right? <laughs> no, I'm totally <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> but um but as for something I am reading that is Latin related, I um I recently uh, I'm up for recertification for keeping my teaching license in the state of Florida and I had to retake my certification exam um to demonstrate that I still know Latin, I'm still capable of teaching it. And so in preparation for this exam, I was going through my bookshelves and pulling off certain authors that I needed to kind of freshen up. And um, and I realized I didn't have a copy of Ovid's Metamorphoses, which is a, a, a hugely, hugely significant book because it's a source of so much of the mythology that we that we know of today. So, um, Ovid rewrote. Many of the Greek myths into Latin dress, and um, and he, he he wove them all together through this theme of transformation. Um, each of his stories has some sort of some sort of um, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis that that happens through the story. The one of the first ones is the story of Daphne and Apollo. Um, the god Apollo falls in love with this with this river nymph, uh, beautiful nymph. Um, her name is Daphne, and she wants nothing to do with him. She just wants to remain a young woman forever free and and happy and unencumbered and he sees her he desires her and so he just starts running after her and so this this scene is described with the most beautiful beautiful language and you just have to read it because you're reading it and you're just so caught up in, in the beauty of this chase. And so it's this extended chase and it's described with her hair flowing behind her. And, and she's like a, a rabbit and he's like a hound. And you know, it's totally not PC. I'll say that. It's not politically <laughs> correct for these sorts of, of love pursuits to be, um, you know, this is, this is totally not the, the thing anymore, but, um, but, But she is rescued in the end because she calls out to her father, Peleus, and says, you know, I, please change me into something, save me. And so he changes her into a tree, into the laurel tree. And so Apollo reaches her just as she's just transforming and her, her hair is turning into branches and her arms. And, and he like wraps his arms around the tree and he says, forever, you will be, you may not be my, my woman. I can't make you my woman, but you shall be my tree. And from now on heroes, um, you know, will wear the laurel in, in triumph and victory, um, when they come home from battle. And, um, and so there's this, this kind of origin story of the laurel wreath, which was so significant to the Romans, but also just this beautiful story of, of transformation. And so her transformation into the tree is kind of meets, meets the uh, meets the theme. And so this theme of transformation is carried into each of the successive stories, but it's a huge book, um, hundreds of pages, 600, 700 pages. But I realized I had read it in Latin. I'd read, read portions of it in Latin when I was a student um, you know, in, in graduate school, but I had never actually read the, the thing in English um, the whole thing. So I've been working on that. It was preparation for the exam, but I'm, I'm just riveted by it. It's really, really good. And I would, I would compare it to reading something like John Milton or Pilgrim's Progress in terms of its, uh, its literary style, because it's very much kind of an epic poem, um, told through various scenes. Um, but there's even like a, a, a flood, um, cause it goes from the b- beginning of the world. So this, this Roman, um, chronology of the world. So starting with, you know, what was in the beginning and, and then there was a flood and there's a, there's a Noah figure and his wife. And, you know, so it's just interesting because this is a 2000 year old story, um, just to kind of get inside the mind of, of the ancients. And, and these were the pagan ancients, um, in a a pre-Christian world. Um, so, so it's just neat. It's neat to see the, the intersection with, um, with, with other ideas that were soon to explode upon the world stage with Christ and, um, and, and all of that. So
0: I have forgotten about that book. I have kind of seen it here and there and I've read mythology with the kids, you know, through the years and um, Age of fable and yeah. And, uh, Dallaire's Greek myths, things like that. I always felt bad for Daphne, you know, <laughs> cause you know, She's a tree, that's sad. But what a god <laughs> chooses you, like you were just signed up for drama, whether you want it or oh not. Man. So that's very so true.
2: However. Yeah. It was it was never a good thing to be the object of a god's um affection. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So well, that's a great recommendation. That seems like something you could just read slowly over time, too. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's that's what I'm doing because it's broken up into just these little episodes, and so you can just kind of read one at a, at a sitting, uh, ten minutes, and you've you've had some something very delicious to kind of chew on and kind of take into your day with you. So, what age
0: kids would you
2: recommend? Mm. Well, thus far, I haven't come across anything that would be um, problematic, but I, I would say it's probably high school reading in terms of its okay. literary difficulty. Um, and it's probably m- mature in in content, not in an explicit way, but just in a very um, imagery-laden sense. So, hmm. um, so you know, Daphne and Apollo is a, is a story about passion and desire. And those are, um, those are more adult, um, topics for conversation because, you know, you, you, you've got young teenagers who are going to be growing into beginning to experience some of those, those feelings for the first time. And, um, so I think it would be a good segue to conversation, um, Hmm. So, um, but yeah, I think it's probably high school or, or college level reading. Um, but they, but you mentioned Bullfinch's mythology. This is um, a lot of Ovid is, is, is written into Bullfinch. It served as a source for a lot of, um, a lot of the, the stories there. And I think Edith Hamilton edited mm-hmm. a version of that. And, um, and so there are lots of, okay. So so if you want to you know so, so so the young students that are reading Bullfinch, they're getting small, small doses of Ovid. Um, I appreciate how, how closely they, um, they 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 just include excerpts in in, in bullfinch. So they are getting little bites, little bites of, of Ovid here and there throughout oh, the book.
0: Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it.
2: Um, so, but that's Latin. I think you asked like, what am I reading? And so that would be the, <laughs> the one Latin <laughs> exception, but I'm reading in translation, not in, not in the, the literature, but, um, that's what I'm reading now. <laughs> but I usually have, I usually have, um, eight to 10 books that I'm working through at a, at a time. And I, I, I go to whichever one I, I have the appetite for. Um, sometimes I want something light. Something. Sometimes I want something heavy um, that I can really chew on. Something. Sometimes I want something that's going to make me feel, um, you know, the the yearnings of home. You know, something that speaks to that. And I think that's been a theme that's that's resonated with me a lot, especially during COVID, and um, and in the time since. Um, just thinking about home. And so being attracted to stories about, about home and belonging and community. I have a stack I can share, but I want to, I want to answer the questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love how sometimes you can look back and realize, oh, for, for the past X amount of time, I've really been leaning towards books in this genre or books with this theme or books that talk about, this question Mm -hmm. and you can see a pattern and you can learn a lot from that sometimes. I love that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Like why am I gravitating towards this thing right now? It's a good question to ask yourself. If you just, am I just on a kick or am I trying to answer something within
2: myself or is this feeding Mm -hmm. something? Yeah. I'll go ahead and grab two that, that kind of fit in, in there. Um, Have you all read 84? uh, Is it chairing crossroad? No. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, I it, it's a short read. And I found it at the book sale. We have this amazing book sale twice a year here in Gainesville, where I live. Um, Friends of the Library book sale, uh, because we have the university and all the various campuses. And we have a large, um, a large community of, of academics. Uh, A lot of people donate to the Friends of the Library. And so we have this huge warehouse sale of books. And, um, and I go, I go every year, twice a year, but this is a beautiful hard copy that I picked up. um, And it's the story of a woman who was wanting a particular book. And so she wrote to she was in the United States. She wrote to a bookstore in London, trying to track down this book, and that letter sparked a, a a rapport and a a relationship across the ocean over many many years. And so the the book is is just their letters back and forth. And so months would go by, and then she'd need she'd be looking for another book, and so she'd she'd send a post to. Uh, to London to this books bookseller to to try and track down another book, but she it wasn't just a request, it wasn't just a transaction, it was a relationship unfolding over time, and so she would inc- include interesting anecdotes from her life or a little bit of humor, and so they just kind of developed this 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 friendly kind of like a pen pal, you know. You have a pen pal, and she had a life, he had a life, and and they just had this friendship that was struck up over the years. But um, but the sense of just connection and community, and and how that is slowly worked out over time, and and, you know, the kind of, I, I think I'm attracted. <laughs> I think I'm just attracted to old things. So this idea of, of mailing through the mail, right? Snail mail. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just have this, I think, <laughs> but look at the theme of my life. You know, I, I love, I love old books. I love old, you know, old rituals. I love old romans um so all of these things seem to be connected yeah. <laughs> antiquity but yeah it's kind of this the, the way things used to be you know where people would would not just shoot off a quick email and just like make some request, you know keep it short keep it sweet but an actual letter sent it took time to go across the ocean right this is this is not you know yesterday this was i don't remember when it was set i want to say yeah the 1940s um Post World War Two, um, or middle of World War Two, I think there was, um, you know, over that time period. So yeah, that was one that that kind of I was attracted to, and I saw that theme. You know, my my soul was drawn to this, um, this this connection. You know, that these people had and longing for connection. Um, you know.
1: Post office communications are nearly right beside the Romans <laughs> at this point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, although. <laughs> In my Latin classes, I I I require my students to mail me their exams. So I and I've seen it. I've seen that it's a it's a valuable thing for them to learn how to do to um to know their address to write mine to fill out an envelope get a stamp return address send the actual exam. Um, and then they get, they get something back from me. So I return it to them with my notes and, um, and usually some little, like I tuck in little gifts, you know, that can fit in an envelope and, um, but the whole process, the whole process of participating in the mail waiting. Um, I've had parents tell me that their, their, their child is waiting, you know, checking the mail every day, waiting to get that letter back. Um, so there's something to be said for, for doing things in a, in a thoughtful way that isn't just a transaction. um, It's, it's, it's more beautiful than that. It's more meaningful than that. Um, So I like the old ways. So I really enjoyed
3: that book. Um, One thing about it is, I don't know if you've heard that, but when I had heard about it, um, and maybe there's debate about this, I don't know. But I had heard that there was even like some romance in it. Like I think some people, when they talk about it, they talk about this relationship kind of maybe budding into romance. And so I was kind of expecting that when I read it. And to me, that wasn't there. Like I, it just seemed like a friendship, which is beautiful. But because I had been told it was a romance, I think I was a little bit disappointed. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Like if you've heard that, I think sometimes even I got the impression that um, like publishers or promoters kind of use that angle to try to get people to pick it up. And that was an unfair expectation. Um, but the other thing about it is, is it's short. And sometimes yeah. I love to just know this book is 110 pages. Like I can pick this up, I can read it, I could read it in an afternoon or very easily three or four nights before bed. And it's just nice to know sometimes that it's just a little bite size thing that can be enjoyed quickly. You know, you're not delving into 400 pages.
2: Yes. <laughs> I I was attracted to it for uh, what that was one of the reasons I didn't know anything about the book other than I thought the cover was really interesting. And it had the red London. Um, what do you call the, you know, what is that place where they make phone calls? <word>. I was thinking of the TARDIS, you know, from like
3: Doctor Who. Right, and I'm like, that's
0: not oh, the word. Right.
2: <laughs>
0: right. Well, like phone booths, you know, Romans, stamps, you know. It's all, all the over. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm
2: looking for the word, right? <laughs> um, but but yeah, I was I was delighted because I had no expectations. <laughs> Yeah. And maybe because I'm drawn to that sort of thing. Um, but because it's short, I was very attracted to it because I found that during the, the pandemic era of our lives, um, I could not concentrate. I had a f- severe deficit of focus, and I, I began listening to audiobooks during that time. I had not really been much of an audiobook listener, um, but then I began to wean myself back onto reading and kind of working my focus through reading small books. And so this was one book that I read during, during that time. And, um, and actually, I had, I, have a- uh-huh. I had the same issue.
0: I had the same issue. I was um, not very focused for a while during that time.
2: Yeah, I think there was a lot of stress and, and, and I just, I just found I could not, I could not chew on anything for very long. Just, I felt just my, my brain felt very fragmented. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So short reads to the rescue. Um, (laughs) Another one, another one that I read um, actually last year, um, but I consider it kind of in the same genre of, you know, books that kind of emphasize slower, simplicity connection community it's our town by thornton wilder have any of you read this one yeah or seen the play maybe yeah yeah
0: uh, my
1: high school did the play when i was there so i am sad to say i never read the book though like if we were doing the play why didn't i read the book so maybe mm-hmm. i need to get on that i loved the play though it was very i mean a sweet Mm -hmm. story.
2: So good. So good. And I had never seen the play. Although I, you know, as I was reading it, I was like, this feels really familiar. And then I remembered that I had taken a drama class in college and I think, and we never read the plays. We just were assigned little excerpts from various plays. And I'm pretty sure that, that there was a scene in here that I was assigned with a partner. And so we had to kind of interpret the scene. Um, But, um, but the, but after I read it, I was so touched by it. Just this description of of American life, like the way it used to be in a town, a small town. Um, I found the movie. Um, also, this one, *Charing Cross Road*, also has a good movie. I think it was um, was it Anthony Hopkins in that one. Tricia, did you ever I see don't the remember. movie? Or yeah. So I love doing that. I love finding a movie um, after I've read a book. After, not before. Um, <laughs> But after, but uh, but the R-Town, I think Paul Newman was in R-Town. So I found found that version streaming and then watched that um, and thought it was really, really well done. So, but yeah, small and short, but, but maybe with COVID, this connection to like humanity mm-hmm. that I was craving, it really um, was impactful for me.
3: How do you keep up a reading life? So you have five children, and as we were talking mm-hmm. about during some of the book club years, you know, you were having your babies and, uh, you know, every 18 months to two years, you know, and you're mothering and homeschooling these five beautiful children. How do you keep up a reading life as a mom, a homeschooler and a Latin teacher?
2: Uh, it, it There are seasons where it's more challenging than then at other times, holidays, love holidays, because then I can get a lot of reading in Um, one of so it's like Christmas break, I've already got some I've got my Ovid, I've kind of been going through my stack, like, okay, what am I going to prioritize? What do I want to finish before the end of the year? Those those thoughts come to mind, too, where I want to kind of tie up some loose ends. Um, But one of the things that I do um, is I always have a book or two, or three with me almost at all times. <laughs> so I have them in all of my bags and I'm regularly like shuffling through my bags and making sure I have the ones that I want in whatever bag I'm taking with me as I'm going out the door. And so if I'm going to a doctor's appointment, I'm like, that's reading time. Okay, so which book am I taking while I'm sitting in the office, while I'm waiting on the doctor? Um, if I am going, occasionally you know i i do take some time off during the week so on tuesdays when i plan my lessons i i i leave and i take my 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 latin stuff with me and my husband is home with the kids he's homeschooling during that time but i also take some books with me and i try to fit in some reading on tuesdays when i have that kind of quiet reflective time where i can do my work but also just kind of reconnect with my um with my intellectual life and my, the life of my mind. So, um, I always have books by my, by my bed. I read before I go to bed at night. Sometimes I read in the morning, but I've replaced that habit with, um, with a morning walk. Um, I call it a walk cause it's a walk, jog, walk, jog, walk, jog. <laughs> um, I I've, I've found that that's been helpful for just my overall well-being and my health and and gives me a little more energy to start my day that way um, rather than reading, unfortunately. (laughs) So that's that's what I do. Those are my those are my top top tips. So I love to ask this question
3: um, for people who might not be used. You know, you said I love old things. I love the classic authors. You know, that's kind of where you live um, in your life. And you've always been drawn to that. If you're talking to people who tend to like lighter fare or maybe things that aren't um, as deep or aren't as used to that old language, what are some entry points for you? Like, what would you suggest to someone who was maybe saying, you know, I have I've not read as much as I would like to of these older classic works?
2: I think a really helpful jo- jumping off point for that would be to start with classic children's literature. Um, because though the way that the books were written for children a hundred years ago, even, you know, up, it, it, there's still cl- good classic children's literature that's even written today, but there was this golden age of, of children's literature where the books were really, really lovely. And they're written with, with very literary language told in a literary narrative style. Uh, I, I was familiar when I, Growing up I was always I was a book collector and I, I was always attracted to these older books. But I, I knew of some big classics like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn and um you know Charles Dickens. You know, I knew the big names, but I didn't realize until I started homeschooling my children how how many authors I'd never ever heard of and how how deep and broad that field of children's literature is. And um and I began to to see book recommendations in various groups and I found some resources through homeschooling including Ambleside Online which is what I use for homeschooling my children and the 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 books that that are available that are listed that they recommend for their for their their curriculum including all of the free reads are wonderful wonderful books to get started and you could even just start with year one so the books that you're reading in year one are are stretching even for even for an adult. Um, so you're reading these books that are um, a, a very high literary quality that um, that 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 will, ch- that will that that were challenging to me as I was reading them. So I've just discovered so many wonderful books, and there are some that like various authors that that I've discovered in that process that have um, have really. Really uh, changed my my perspective on the value of of my children's literary lives and what's good for them to read and and I've been I think this is a theme I think I've heard this in in, in several places I think I've heard it here as well redeeming our own education reading yes. through these things and they're feeding our souls like these books they're not just told in beautiful language but they they have some sort of spiritual idea embedded within them that you are, you know, when you're reading them to your children or you're reading it for yourself, you are, you are nourishing yourself with, with spiritual food. And I, I think that, that growing up, I would, that idea was not impressed on me. Um, but I've become very, very convicted that that good reading of good books is, is a type of spiritual nourishment. It doesn't replace the bible as a as a source of spiritual nourishment but but all of the stories that that christian people have told through time perspectives that they've had experiences that they've lived through um the um the reflections on those things are of immense value for for us as persons and um and so my my recommendation would be to to start with some of these 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 books on these these living books that are, that are listed at places like Ambleside online and, um, and other places.
1: Well, I'm over here getting a crick in my neck with the nodding and it's, it's just exactly a conversation that a friend of mine and I had this week. This person is a very intentional. I do what I do with a plan for a purpose for hopefully my betterment kind of an idea. And so she was saying exactly what what you're talking about, that she was not a big reader as a child or she read a lot of fluff and she realized that so many of these great children's works, she just did not have the whatever, many things maybe to read at the time. So she's going through in her thirties and reading Tom Sawyer and jungle book. And I suggested Alice in Wonderland and I'm over here like, come get them from me. This is so wonderful. I love that you're doing this. And I think her idea is maybe who knows what's next, but right now she's just on this kick of quality old children's literature that she is just reading to herself for her own betterment. Mm -hmm. And I think, she stumbled on that accidentally, but you have just supported her theory a hundred percent. That like I should just start here. I should just start with some mm-hmm. great children's books. So yeah,
2: and um and Charlotte Mason, whom I love, um, she she says that ideas and this is not original to her. She she grabbed this idea from a pagan philosopher from from Plato. Um, she says that that ideas are of spiritual origin, and the and and this is our spiritual food, ideas. But we get them as we convey them to one another. And so, one, uh, if you if you're feeling devoid of good ideas, <laughs> you have to seek them. Um, and the Word of God is a wonderful place to 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 chew on a lot of good ideas. But we also have them among ourselves in community. We have them with community with people from the past who left their ideas behind in books for us to read. And in order to commune with those ideas, we need to open ourselves up to reading about them. And there's so much wisdom, so much wisdom in these books. And, and, and it would be I mean, (laughs) wow, to have this whole like treasure store of wisdom and it's right there. And all we have to do is, is begin to, to open some of these books. And then we are having conversations with people who lived, who are, who are no longer living now, but we're having conversations with people from the past. And that's such a valuable heritage and we don't want to miss out on it. And we certainly don't want to, to, um, to not have absorbed and, and, and digested those ideas in order to then share them with those whom we love. So, it's um there's there's a lot there um but but Mason was a big advocate of the idea that we need to feast upon good ideas. Well, and I think it's important to bring out that we're not Living
1: in the past so that we can live in the past. We want to have a good handle on this idea because progress doesn't come from just picking a new idea out of nowhere. It's understanding what we know. And then, what do I further, what am I further able to come up with or to think about? You don't just jump to the 50th story of a building, you have to
2: walk your way up. Oh, so true. So true. And, and I think there is this, this this bias that we have here as moderns, um, I know I inherited this bias going through the school system, um, myself is that we tend to think that we are the latest, greatest thing and that we, our knowledge is superior to all the knowledge that came before. And it's, it's such a false, it's such a false, that's so false because if you read the past, if you read history, you understand that there there were people who thought that and everybody has thought that in their own day and time. Everybody has thought, "I am the greatest thing, our our technology is the greatest, we're going to rule the world." I mean, and then their empire fell. And it's just that's the story of history is how we all think we're something hot until we discover that we're not. Do you ever think, like, are we going to be labeled American Dark Ages? Right. <laughs> like, it's like, we a
3: thought
1: we were so ago. smart and we were <laughs> devoid of knowledge and nothing good was happening.
0: Well, you know, you hear people say, where's the Mozarts? Where's mm-hmm. the Monets? You know, like, we don't have a lot of depth. We don't have a deep bench for the arts and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, you know, if listeners, if you're new, first of all, welcome. But... We have talked in the past about the very name, Book Fair, which harkens back to Charlotte Mason's ideas of setting a feast before yourself or before your children, and just what you so beautifully uh, talked about, Angela. And I love that the conversation has gone here, and we do Ambleside Online at home as well. And um, we go to a CC community as well. But at home, we do Ambleside online. And I think that's a great recommendation. You can go to the website and look at the year one list. And that's a great entry point for anyone, whether you're first grader or <clears throat> 43. You know, it's if you're new, if you're newer to reading classics, that's a great place to start. I love that tip. Mm-hmm.
3: So off the top of my head, and I would love to know what the other three of you would throw into this list, because I think it's always great to give some specific suggestions. So I was just thinking in my mind, if you're a person who hasn't read a lot of classics and would like to start with some great children's classics, if you have never read Heidi, which is, you know, again, orphan, (laughs) back to our theme of orphan girls, (laughs) who um, goes to the Alps to live with her grandfather. I mean, it is... Just one of the most beautiful children's books ever written. I read it as a child and have adored it to this day. If you have never read The Secret Garden. Um, I was trying to think if I could remember enough to give a plot summary. Does anyone want to have a have a secret garden?
1: Also an orphan. Also- That's on my <laughs> right. list to redo this year because I was thinking I can't remember a lot about it except for when they find the garden. I remember like the, oh, there it is. But I have not a lot of memory of it. So I remember loving it. So I want to I recheck it out this year in my mind. Trisha, on that, the one I would say is Swiss Family Robinson. And it is a book that moderns are very mad about. There's so much. Why are they killing mm-hmm. all the animals? Why are they discussing natives this way? And it's such a great opportunity for a conversation with your children of this is where they were at the time. This is what was civilization at the time. Now, do you choose to do this? Maybe, maybe not. But this is where they were in their survival, in their story. And can we think of some reasons why? Yes. Can we also think that isn't it great that at the end they worked past some of their... There's the sweetest part at the end of that where he says he doesn't want to call him a savage anymore because he kind of realized... You're a person like me. So it's like, get to the end of the book. The lesson is there. It's, it's my favorite one to recommend right now for somebody who's mm-hmm. wanting to dip into old children's literature.
3: Yes, I love that one too.
0: Yeah. Just to give you a taste, here's some of the year one books from Ambleside Online. The Aesop for Children, Tales from Shakespeare by Charles Lamb, The Blue Fairy Book by Andrew Lang. And he Andrew Lang collected fairy stories from all over and he has a whole series of books they're called the color fairy books the blue fairy book the red fairy book the green fairy book and so forth there's just so stories by rudyard kipling charlotte's web pinocchio peter pan pinocchio that is i think
2: (laughs) that would be a wonderful place to start i think pinocchio Mm -hmm. is one of the greatest books of all time I, I just I read it and it had me weeping. I just think it, it is a it is a simple story, but it is a story of of our fallen nature, of how we just sometimes we just can't help ourselves and we're gonna make mistakes. We you know, Pinocchio is just he's every man. He is mm-hmm. he is us. And I when I read that story, I've shared this with some folks. I there was one scene as I was reading it aloud with my, my daughter and my third son, there's a scene where Pinocchio, um, he, he, he falls asleep in front of the fire and he ends up burning his feet off and he wakes up and he's just like, there's no feet. (laughs) Like what has happened? And, um, and he's just weeping and he goes to Geppetto and and tells him what he has done. And of course, Geppetto is going to, you know, remake some feet for him, but he's just so heartbroken at his own pathetic situation and 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 I just I just I saw some similarities to one of my children in this in this little incident and all of a sudden my heart broke because I realized I was too hard I I had been judging and expecting so much of this child and I realized my child is Pinocchio this this explains my child it, it, to me in a way that I didn't understand before and, um, and it was just, it was a, it was a light bulb moment. And again, ideas, right. We were talking about feasting on ideas. And then all of a sudden there's this moral lesson that just kind of like comes to you. It's not a moralistic, like, you know, like, let me tell you how it is, but you just, you absorb this, this insight from the story. And, um, but yeah, redemption, redemption. And and, and our, our brokenness and how much we are in need of, of love and forgiveness and, and all of that. But I, yeah, I would put Pinocchio up at the very, very top of the list of, of meaningful and, and worthwhile books to read and easy to do um, this
0: one. And y'all don't judge it by Disney. No, Don't use the Disney it measuring very stick with different. that.
2: <laughs> very different from the Disney version, including the new one, which was very disappointing. We saw it, and uh, even my kids were like, that is not how it goes. That's not a good version of Pinocchio. Sorry, Tom Hanks. We love you, but <laughs> not not in that role.
3: <laughs> to give um, one more plug for Angela, um, Anne Bogle... In her book, I'd Rather Be Reading, she has an essay in there called Book Twins, and I think I've referenced it before, but she talks about how everyone should find in their life someone whose reading taste is very similar to your own because it helps you weed out what you should and shouldn't read. So it like doubles your reading time. Like you, they're reading something, then you can find out if you should read it or not. And probably the person that is closest to my reading taste that I've ever known is Angela. So I've considered Aww. her to be <laughs> my book twin. Um, I probably spend a little bit more time with modern literature than she does. But I will say if she ever recommends a modern book, I know I'm going to love it.
0: Oh, I feel you. like I wondered that about y'all
1: earlier in the, when she pulled up her first recommendation and you'd read it. I kind of thought, I wonder how similar
3: <laughs> the reading tastes are. That's yeah, funny. There's a I lot love that. Of overlap. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this has been so lovely. We could go on all day. <laughs> talking about this and thank you so much for your time and coming on and you guys check out her instagram or her website and maybe you've never thought about your kids learning latin and you want to find out more you know she would be happy to i'm sure talk to you about it sometime so listeners on in the facebook group let us know what you thought about this what do you think about feasting on ideas do you have some other good tips about entry places for reading classics or other great classic children's literature? Are you drawn to certain themes sometimes in your reading? And do you love old things? <laughs> Let us know <laughs> in the comments. And until next time, I'm Trisha. I'm Amanda. I'm Elizabeth.
3: And happy reading. Thanks for listening. If you
0: enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our private Facebook group. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And you can help
1: us continue to grow. Share an episode with a friend. Mention us on social media and leave a review in your podcast app. We'll see you next Tuesday.